Hey guys, Pastor Jürgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, it's going to be real, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's going to put faith on the inside of you. It's going to cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the word. God bless you. I've got to preach. I've got to preach. But let me tell you, in, in the book of Acts chapter 20, there's a boy called Eutychus that clearly is not having his best day. You know, we saw your daughter here in the front, you know. I mean, that's, where, that's when you're having a good day. That's where you sit. No, no, no offense, you got here late, but next week you can do better. And, uh, <laughs> but Eutychus, it says, is sitting in the back in the window. So he's not having a good day. This is the best preacher in town, and Eutychus falls asleep. And he falls to his death. That's what the book of Acts says. Come on, who wrote the book of Acts? Who pe- sorry, Holy Spirit wrote it. Who penned it? No, let's, let's go with Luke. Okay, uh, so I won't ask this side of the room. <laughs> Seeming they said, Paul, Luke's profession, please. So when the doctor says he's dead, it's not the evangelist. The doctor said he was dead. But the evangelist went down and said, he's Okay. Now, he'd have fallen out the window at the football field. There'd have been no he's okay. Church is a great place to have your worst day. You've got to stay in the house. And uh, my mama, my mama let us grow up. I remember one time, you know, I, I didn't want to go to church, so I told my mum I couldn't find my shoe. So, you know, now I'm going to, because my mum's a stickler, you've got to really be tidy. And so... Uh, um, so within about a minute, I got a bandage around my foot and she said, just limp. Because <laughs> she said, you're not staying home. <laughs> so uh, that's how it worked. Now, it's easier to get that one off than put that one back on. <laughs> and keep an eye on them. They're 550 bucks. <laughs> yeah, and I've checked out the neighbourhood. So, uh, Robbie, I'm not going to look, but have I got holes in my socks? Are okay today? Okay, they're good. All right. You don't want to check my underwear. They could be my sisters. I've got seven sisters. It's all hand-me-down. I've got four sisters older. That's how it worked. Nowadays, it's probably cool, but back then it was not. It just was not. Look, a couple of things, couple of things I need to say, and then we've got to really scoot if it's okay. The first is that there's a clock there that says 29 minutes. And so if you're not normally in church, like it's Mother's Day, you promised you'd come once, so here you are. And um, so 29 minutes. You can do a rubber neck and look for yourself anytime you want. You'll see when I'm to finish. Now, if I violate that, I've got to deal with Lindsay on the front road. And I have been terrorised by women, so I will probably obey that so that I don't meet Lindsay. That's the first thing. The second thing I want you to know is that if you're not normally in church... Uh, then I don't know that. Uh, so if you just say amen twice, I'll think you, you come all the time. Because, and I say that for this reason, because sometimes people will talk to me afterwards that I don't normally go to church and I'll say, it felt like you were talking to me. I want that to happen, but I don't know it's happening. I'm asking Holy Spirit. And notice, Pastor, I don't say the Holy Spirit because she's not the wife. 
I dropped the old many, many years ago, and I don't, can't understand it, um, but I noticed when I stopped calling her the wife, things were more romantic. <laughs> in fact, in fact, when you first get married, it's your wife and the doctor. But at my age, it's the wife and my doctor. <laughs> we're, more, we're more intimate than... than yeah, yeah, you get it. So, so I don't know who you are. You are totally protected um, by that. But I said that to say this, that before I hand back um, to pastor, I'm going to ask you if you would like to be connected to God and his love. And um, I don't know how you feel about that right now. But so you know where we're going, I'll ask you. And here's his out of work. I won't ask you to get up. We haven't got a bus to take you to the mountain to eat broccoli. <laughs> All right, you're not going to get a plat out the front of your head. You're going to go home ugly if you came ugly. <laughs> and... Uh, but just so you know where we're at. But I'll ask you, and Pastor, can I even, uh, can I even, I'll get people to take, close their eyes. I'll give you a bit of privacy, but because I'll, I'll ask you to look at me and raise your hand. That's simply so that I can acknowledge you. I'll know who I'm praying for. And, uh, and then I will pray. That's it. And then I'll give back to Pastor. I'll assume that if you raise your hand, you're simply saying, God, I'm open to what you have. And um, you're not saying, I know everything. All right. I mean, I, I don't know much about this. My kids tell me you can play music on it. I thought it was a phone. And so apparently you don't have to know everything to enjoy it. So you don't have to know everything to say yes to Jesus. So I'll ask you. It's the last thing I'll do. And then I'll hand back. Is that cool? So now we're on the scoot. This is what I want to share with you. You happy with the no shoes? It's all good? All right, I feel like I've got the, the holy ephod on. Can I just say, too, I want you to expect God to do a miracle even while we're preaching. You know, don't, don't ever wait for the book of miracles to expect a miracle. Because, you know, there are people in the audience that God came with them. God came in them. And so during the worship, believe for miracles. While I'm speaking, believe for miracles as Holy Spirit is walking around the place. I'm asking God to do that. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd watch over these next few minutes, the words we speak. I pray, God, not for information, but impartation. Lord God, that you'd speak to hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, there's a, a saying that became popular in the 90s. I think we still use it. Uh, it's called the mother of, uh, it's a, a saying that sort of, like you put a new engine in your Chevy and it's the mother of all engines. All right. It's what we call it. You know, you turn up for Thanksgiving and it's just the biggest turkey you've ever seen in your life. It's the mother of all turkeys. All right. it's, it's become a, like a statement synonymous um, with, you know, the biggest and the bestest of whatever. Um, it became popular in 1991 during the Gulf War. There's a dictator whose name we're not going to grace our pulpit with today that um, spoke of the Gulf War that um, you people, of course, um, were instrumental in bringing victory in. And, and he said to his troops, it's about to be the mother of all battles. And so, and that's where it sort of came to prominence. But here's what you need to know. It's a saying that had been around in the Middle East for more than 2,000 years. And we just didn't sort of use it in the West. And I am wondering and submitting to you that maybe its origins might have gone back to a little town where a little girl, 16 to 17 years of age, was visited by the angel Gabriel on a mission from God. 
And, and, and of course, her name is Mary, and she was quite startled, um, Luke's account um, says. And, um, and, and he said, I have come to see, I love what it says. It says, you are blessed among women. Now, listen to me, mums and um, ladies. It doesn't say you're blessed above women, but among women. That is still what God wants to say to every woman in the house today. You are blessed, highly favoured among women. And then he, he said to her, because you've been chosen, I'm paraphrasing, to bring to the world um, God in human form. And then she says to him, well, how can this be? Because I've not known a man, which is code for I've you know, never been intimate with a fellow. And then he says, it's okay. It's going to be a miracle. And I want to talk to you. God wants to do miracles. Here's what a miracle is. This is where you are. This is where you need to be, but you can only get that far. You need something to bridge the gap. That's the super adding to your natural. You get it? So Mary said, well, well, I've got a boyfriend, but I haven't got the super bit yet. You know, I've got the natural. And the angel Gabriel said, it's okay. Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. You're going to be with child. And then, of course, she said in Luke chapter 1 and verse 28, let it be done to your servant exactly what you said. And she took on the mother of all jobs in history. And she, of course, became the mother of all mothers. Can we just close that chapter with Mary um, to say the last thing she ever said in the Bible is recorded in John's Gospel, Chapter 2. After that, she's silent. The last statement she makes is she looks at Jesus and looks at the crowd and says, whatever he says, do it. She handed the baton to her son, Jesus Christ, and said, I'm out, he's in, look to him. And I'm believing that Jesus is in this place today. So this is what I want to share with you. And if I had a title, it's called The Jesus I Hope You've Met. Now, I know you're thinking John 14, 6 6 says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. It's what I mean, the Jesus I hope you've met. There's only one. Well, apparently not. There's a statement we use in Australia, and I think you use it here, and it's a, again, it's a figure of speech, like the mother of all. It's called the real McCoy. And um, when we talk about is the real McCoy, uh, we're saying that thing is authentic. That is the original. In the 1840s, there was a man in Canada named McCoy. He invented, among other things, the clothesline. How helpful. And the lawn sprinkler. He was such a genius inventor that others began to copy his products, a bit like they do today. And, um, and so people would go down to the Home Depot and then the salesman would try to sell off some inferior line. And apparently the saying got off, hang on, I don't want that. I want the real McCoy. And that's where um, this country um, gave birth um, to that particular saying. And so, look, if there's two McCoys, the Apostle Paul said there could be more than one Jesus. Now, hang with me. Don't leave yet. We've still got 20 minutes to bring this baby home. All right. Uh, And so the Apostle Paul said this, and he wrote to a church in a a town called Corinth. So it's called the the letter to the Corinthians. Or if it was the letter to the Americans, it's because they lived in America. But because they lived in Corinth, it's called the letter to the Corinthians. 
And so he sent a letter and pastor read it out to his congregation because Paul was like the lead pastor and he was the campus pastor at Corinth. This is what Paul said. He said, you happily put up in 2 Corinthians 11.4, you happily put up with whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus. It's like, I thought there's only one. Well, not, a, not apparently, Paul's saying. Um, and then it says this, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one you preach or we preach or a different kind of spirit than the one you received or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. Now, I'm not suggesting there's another physical Jesus, but I'm saying that there is, there is a, a manufactured revelation of who he is in a lot of people and it's different. I'll give you an example. For one person, have you ever heard of the when I'm old Jesus? It's because there's too much life to live now. I ain't got time for Jesus now, but I've got a when I'm old Jesus, you know. Or I've got to get a car park close to the front of the shops, Jesus, you know. Or, or what about that? I, you you got to get me out of this mess again, Jesus. And it's the only time those people, that, that group of people, only ever come to him when they're in a mess. This is perhaps the most tragic of all revelations of Jesus. I find I don't think he could love me, Jesus. Well, I want to talk to you this morning about the Jesus I hope you've met and look at something in Scripture that, that hopefully will unpack his nature and his thoughts and his feelings for you and for me. Uh, so we've got to introduce one other thing here. It's called the lullaby syndrome. Now, put your hand up if you've heard of it. You haven't. Good, then I made it up. I don't know if I made it up, but I've never heard anyone else talk about it. So because you've never known about it, you can just tell them Steve Kennedy made that up. So you'll see it in Wikipedia sometime soon and you'll know, I know the real McCoy on that. All right, you point to your husband like it's him. Was it him? Oh, dear. This is what the lullaby syndrome is. Here's the definition, and I wrote it myself. It is a blindly accepting something so often heard that we have no conscious thought for its meaning. Someone told me once that Christians don't tell lies. They sing them. Have you ever been singing a song and thought, I should stop singing that? I, I was singing this one one time. It's old, but so am I. It's, send me, I will go. Send me, I will go to the cities, to the nations, to the nations of the world. Send, and then I had a, like a penny drop moment or an epiphany. If you don't know what an epiphany is, here's the video version. <laughs> I had an epiphany and I realised, flip, I'm not going. Am I, am I right? Yeah, we don't tell lies, but we're happy to sing him, giving it all away, away. No, you're not. You don't even tithe. I'm happy to go to the nation, but you ain't getting 10% off me, mate. That's the lullaby syndrome. Now, it gets its name from lullabies. Try this one. Uh, every parent has done this. 
um, there's a kid who won't go to sleep and um, we used to give him liquor. <laughs> now, you can't do this now. I'm not, you can't do this now. And it wasn't called liquor. They changed its name so we avoid the responsibility. And that's how we deal with sin. Just change its name. It's a fetus. It's not a child. It's a fetus. We change the name to avoid the responsibility. So, so it, you know, it was called Falurgan. That was the medical term. But it was just Dan Murphy's. It was just vodka. <laughs> and so kid won't go to sleep. We shovel it down its throat and just sleeping brilliantly. But now that you're not allowed to do that anymore, we've got to go back to lullabies. So we're in there, 2 o'clock in the morning, kid won't go to sleep. Rock-a-bye, baby, on the treetop. Kid's eyes get wider. When the wind blows, the cradle will rock. When the bow... Remember that epiphany thing? What's a child doing on the top of the tree? I mean, has anyone stopped to think? Do we have, like, um, city permission for this type of thing? Is this not like, like a workplace health safety issue? Should not child services be involved with a parent that puts their child on the top of a tree on a windy night? But yet for centuries of time, we've been singing this to terrified infants. Well, now you know why they won't go to sleep. Because they are not struck with the lullaby syndrome as you are. But I want to deal with it more when we're reading the scriptures. Because I think sometimes, and this is my contention, Pastor Samuel, that um, Christians read the truth. Whereas John 8 said, you should know the truth, not read the truth. I'd rather you knew one verse than read 10 chapters. You know? uh, that's what I'd rather. Because if you're just slowed I tell people preachers are just like normal Christians. They just don't read too fast. They just read slow enough to let it unpack itself. Well, what I found recently is there's a series of verses that I think if you've been in church for just even a little while, you've probably read these verses. But I wonder if you've had an epiphany. I wonder if you've actually seen what they mean. And they unpack for us, I hope, the Jesus I hope you've met. And, and the verse revolves around Jesus doing miracles. And it's not random. There's like about a dozen instances through the Gospels where Jesus heals somebody, delivers somebody, sets them free, and then where they're about to hoop and holler and call the local paper, he says, shh. Don't tell anybody. And it's like, that's weird. I mean, this is, this is the kingdom that's supposed to be dominating the world. Everyone is supposed to know about this and how they're going to get to know about it if you won't let us tell them. I'll give you just, I could read them all, but I'll just read one so you get it. In Luke's gospel, chapter 8, here's the background. Jesus is on his way to, uh, uh, he's just come back from the land of the Gadarenes where he's, he's touched a man with miracles. Even him, he told, that man wanted to travel with him. He said, let me come with you. I'm a good testimony. He said, just go home and be good to your wife. That's what he told him to do. So then he arrives back um, on the other side and pretty soon there's a crowd and the local campus pastor, a guy named Jairus, meets him and said, Sir, I've heard about you. My daughter's sick. Could you come and pray for her or come and heal her? And Jesus said, Love to. It's what I do. 
and on the way, um, there's a crowd and a woman, I call it the woman with issues. Yes, because I got seven sisters and three daughters and five granddaughters. All right, but she's the woman with the issue of blood. She's had, got a bleeding problem that cannot stop. 12 years, she spent everything, and Jesus miraculously heals her without even meaning to. He's so full of power. Listen, you have to work hard to get on God's good side. He didn't even know her name. Had no prior um, chat with her, and she got healed. But when he'd finished, he then went to go to Jairus's house, and Jairus' servants came and said, Jairus, Tell him not to come because um, your child is not sick anymore. Jaira said, oh, that's good. He said, no, sir, it's not good. She's not sick because she's dead. D-E-D, dead. <laughs> Jesus says, no, she's not dead. She's just having a kip. That's asleep. And they laughed at him. So he said, well, you people don't come. And he took Peter, James, John and the child's parents. He went in to see the child and he laid hands on her and he said, child, arise. And life came into her. Just like I'm believing life will come into situations while I'm speaking. It's the parents. Can you imagine if that was you? You're straight on. You've got to get Oprah on this. You know, you've got to get the local paper on this. And it's in that backdrop. Luke records in chapter 8 and verse 56 her parents were overwhelmed but Jesus insisted that they tell do not tell anyone what has happened and that's what we want to unpack in our last few minutes why would somebody that's trying to let the whole world know about his love and kingdom tell it and it's not random there's about a dozen instances of Matthew 16, Jesus says, to the, who, who do men say that I am? Well, I think you're Elijah and, you know, some of them, you know, think you're like Michael Jordan, you know, and, uh, you know. Uh, well, they would have used, you know, modern vernacular. And he said, yeah, okay, but who do you say? And Peter says, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. Jesus says, good, shh, don't tell anybody. That's weird. Okay, well, here's the first reason I got. I think it's because he was shy. <laughs> I didn't even think you, know, you saw her back when the woman you know, with the woman with the issues she touched I didn't even mean it <laughs> it happens all the time fell out of the boat once I didn't even go through the water I thought it was ice but I was walking I don't even know how I do it <laughs> come on put your hand you're with me you even shy all right, well, but we've got it on. You're saying that's stupid. No more stupid than driving down the motorway at 2 a.m. in the morning singing terrifying songs to, to small children. <laughs> you try everything, correct? Yeah, yeah. And so let's at least play with it for a moment. Was he shy? Well, in John chapter 18, Jesus is praying before the crucifixion. He's had a, a, a chat with his father. It's called prayer, but for, he's, he's talking to his dad and says, Dad, I'm not keen. But I came here to fulfill your mission, so I will not sidestep it. So if this is the way it's going to be, I'm in. He stood up from there and he walked back out and he's got his 12 disciples with him, um, or 11, and the 12th comes with a whole mob of people. It says that they said, well, look at Jesus. Well, he didn't hide and say, tell him I'm Bob. In verse 4 of John 18, it says he stepped forward and said, hey, yo, that'd be me. 
He even said, you've got the man you want, let these people go. This is shy boy. This is shy boy. Then he's before Pilate and Pilate thinks he's innocent. Pilate doesn't think he's guilty. And so he tries to tell Jesus, come on, talk, tell me about yourself. And he won't talk to him. This is shy boy. Until Pilate gets a little bit angry and says, mate, look at me, man. And he puffs his chest out. He says, I'm in charge here. Don't you know I've got the power? You can be home with your mum by nightfall if you just cooperate, mate. And that's when Shy Boy talks. And Shy Boy says, hey, mate, you got no power except my father gave it to you. Yeah, he probably said it with an Australian accent. <laughs> and then he like he pats him on the head and says, but it's okay. It's not all your fault. It's their fault. You'll be right. You'll be right. On your way. And as silly as that may sound, I wanted to at least put it on the table just to make it very clear to you that the next time you're in a challenge, you know who you're dealing with. You're not dealing with a, with a shy God or a hesitant God or I don't know if I want to get involved in that or am I busy or not busy, but he will stand forward. He will identify himself on your behalf as the Christ, as the Son of God, as the Deliverer, as the answer. You are here. You need to go here. You've got to there. There's a gap. He will get in the gap and bring the super to your natural. His eye is not blind that he cannot see. His ear is not deaf that he cannot hear. And his hand is not short that it cannot reach. He is not shy. The second thing I want to suggest then is it's reverse psychology. Now, this is more plausible because it works. Have a look at me. I have not got that I want to kiss my pop type of face. You know what I mean? I got, like, I look good in a lineup. <laughs> now, the trouble is, I got grandkids, like you saw sitting on my knee, that I love to get kisses from, but they just don't want to do that. So I've got to use a bit of cunning. And some of us think God's been cunning with us. He wants to bless you, so then He can send you to the Congo. <laughs> hey, come on. Put your hand up, you've had that thought. You know, God's setting me up. I've never, ever known God to have two agendas with me. So I walk in and I see my grandkids and I know what's going to happen. So I go, I just want everyone to know that Pop today is not doing kisses. (laughs) Nanny, tell them, no kisses today. Pop's out of kisses. So then they get the beagle. And they go, and I'm reeling them in. (laughs) Ugly old Stevie's about to get a kiss. And I see the innocence. And I feel a little guilty. But I'm overwhelmed with my want. So I go, no, stop right there. And I start to run. That's as fast as I can run. And then I feign a trip, F-E-I-G-N. And I fake it. Like fake news, fake trip. And next thing there, if you're old enough to remember Dino on Fred Flintstone, then uh, they're all um, kissing me and I'm going, no, no, no. 
and I get what I want. But I've got to admit, I wasn't praying, I was praying. That's P-R-E-Y-I-N-G. You see, look, look, look at this verse here um, about reverse psychology. It says here in Mark 7, 36, Jesus has healed a deaf guy. All right. So Jesus told the crowd not to tell anyone. But the more he told them not to, the more they spread the news. So it does work. So now let's go a little further and then you might have to come back and see if this is what Jesus was doing. I'm just not sure. I'm wondering if maybe it's because he was trying to establish his kingdom on sincerity and not sensational. We live in a very sensational world. Give our free chickens, the church is full. You get a brand new chandelier, the church is full. But you've got to get something brand new every week if that's how you're going to do it or you're just going to have to be sincere. And I just get a feeling that he wanted this kingdom to be founded on sincerity. So have a, have a look at this. In Mark chapter 8 and verse 23, he heals a blind guy. It says, Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Then... Sp- <laughs> Spitting. No, you've got to be there. So here's the, here's the guy. Uh, so what can I do for you, sir? Oh, can't see. Just wonder if you can do something about that. Oh, yes, I can. Yes, I'd like to. Okay, hit me with it. Okay. And the next thing the guy hears is... <laughs> now, Jesus is coughing up a furball. Come on. If I'm going to say here, come on, let's have a prayer line. Come on, step out here. And there's 50 people step out, and the first person I go, (laughs) I reckon 49 just went back to their seat. Am I right? Can you laugh a little louder while I get rid of that? That was Oysters Kilpatrick right there. (laughs) It's brilliant. So, next thing, poof, poof. Good job, the guy was blind. He said, I think it's raining. Yeah, it's going to rain once more in the other eye. But I think then the storm will pass. But look, look so you agree, that's sensational. Yeah, but you've got to have a look at the context. It says he took the man out of town. So there's no crowd, just an audience of one. Look, everyone's got a faith trigger. And God is so individual, he knows yours. We had a revival in your country in, in uh, Pensacola. I visited back, back in whenever it was. There were a lot of testimonies come out of Pensacola, and here's one of them. This guy was at the prayer meeting and singing the song, Send me, I will go. Send me, I will go. Well, God heard it. So while he's driving home, Holy Spirit... God's voice said to him, I want you to pull into the gas station. And he says, oh, God, thank you, because I wanted to be obedient to you. And then God and Holy Spirit said, with an American accent, he said, I want you to go to the, the Coca-Cola machine. I want you to stand on your head. <laughs> and the guy goes, send him, he should go. Yeah? 
So he's, he's in the parking lot trying to work out whether he's going to do this till finally he submitted and said, God, I said I'd do anything. So there's no one else in there except the guy at the counter. I'll do it. So he walks in, you know, gives the old to the guy and then loiters over near the Coke machine for a bit. Guy's looking at him stupid like he's, going, like he's watching a shoplifter. Then finally he says, well, what the heck? And he does a headstand near the Coca-Cola machine. Pretty sensational. But there's only one person there. And the person there behind the counter just begins to cry, just unloads. So the guy puts it down and says, mate, sorry, I didn't mean to offend you. And then the guy tells the story and says, I got a gun in my drawer and was about to blow my head off. I just prayed a prayer, God, I don't know what to do, but if you're real, send someone into this store and do a headstand right near that Coke machine. <laughs> and, and the same God that spat into a blind man's eye in the chapter before spat on his finger and, and gave the guy a wet willy, <laughs> as we call it, knew exactly what the faith trigger for him was and him was and you are and you are and you are. For you, it's a new home. For you, it's a new job. For you, it's losing your job. All of us have got a faith trigger. And he will be that sincere. And then lastly, because we've got to be done. I'm wondering if it's because he was motivated by needs and not notoriety. Come on, there's people, they've just got to be seen. You know, as far as wears the orange socks or no socks. Guy preaches in no shoes. You know, he's a big shot. He's got to be seen. That wasn't Jesus. Oh. Jesus is on the cross. It's the crucifixion. And while he's on the cross, with all the commotion, he hears some sobbing in the crowd. And he looks down, and it's a boy. He's about 19 years of age. His name is John. We know him as the Apostle John. But he's just 19-year-old John now. And ladies, come on. When, when a man's got a problem... The world shuts down. He's got the man flu. <laughs> and so he's there and he's just totally involved in his own peril. But then Jesus just 18, one and a half feet from him sees a woman, his mum. And so he says, John! 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 Till finally John lifts his head, bloodshot eyes, and his eyes meet Jesus' eyes. He says, John! Mum! Reckon you can cover? Now, Pastor Samuel, the Bible's full. This last 24 hours of Jesus, you're a Bible teacher. There's like about 300 prophecies getting ticked off in heaven. This is not one of them. This is an important interruption. The gospel's just a book of divine interruptions while he's ticking off prophecies and meeting people. And then he utters this verse. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, dear woman, this is my best friend, mum. I've had three years to check his character. You understand what I'm saying. His words carry that weight. I know what I'm doing here, Mum. He said, John, take my mum. Look after her. 
and mom, this is now your son. And in this prophetic landscape, it's interrupted with a human moment of need where he unites among. Now, here's a thought. I asked, why did you pick John? This is my thought. This is the only disciple that lived to old age. All the rest were martyred for their faith. This is the one symbolically that Mary would never have to stand in this situation and watch again because he would definitely outlive her. That's what Jesus knew. And friend, he's that personal. That's the Jesus I hope you've met. Bow your head. Bow your head. My time is done. My time is done and you've got, you got Mother's Day lunches that you must go to. Friend, I will say, if Jesus took the time to connect his mum, you better be connecting with yours today. Just bow your head. I've got one minute. If you have never connected to God in relationship, in church we say, call it saying yes to Jesus, yes to his plan, yes to his forgiveness. Maybe you have, but you've slipped away. Maybe you're not sure if he wants you back. And I hope that Jesus we presented today would tell you he does. Or you say, Steve, I don't know, but I'd love you to pray and include me in the prayer. Look, I'm going to stay here. You're going to stay there. Look at me right now in this 30 seconds. If I can pray for you, just look at me and raise your hand and I'll say, put it down. God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. I'm calling you ma'am and sir, but you understand God knows your name. Someone else, look at me. Keep it up till I see it. I'll, I'll include you in the prayer. And so, sir, I'll pray for you. And um, so you, I see your hand, you see me, we nod. We be, you, that's how God wants you to live, acknowledged. Someone else, look at me. I want to, God bless you, ma'am. I'm going to pray for you. Someone else, look at me. Keep your hand up. Wave if I don't see it. God bless, God bless you, ma'am. Someone else, just look at me. Wave your hand if I don't see it. And I'll pray. I'll pray for you. Dear God in heaven, I pray for this gentleman, this lady, this lady. Lord, this gentleman, this lady. Lord, each person that raised a hand. Lord, like opening a barn door and letting the animals out. Lord God, our hand raised is like opening the door to our heart. And I pray that sin would be expelled. Shame would be swallowed up in the overwhelming love and forgiveness of God. I pray, God, that you would walk into our situation and bring change. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.